0: If you like listening to my conversations with interesting people, you'll love listening to them or watching them on Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service where you can get access to these interviews early and ad-free, as well as bonus episodes from my YouTube channel and exclusive series you can't find anywhere else. Sign up for Nebula by clicking the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe to support the podcast and help promote content that matters. Picture, if you will, a protest or a demonstration. You probably don't have to imagine very hard. We've seen a few of those lately, but let's just say it's fairly peaceful for the most part, and then things start to get out of hand. People start smashing up cars, setting fires, like you do. The police chief grabs a megaphone to try to get control of the situation. All right, break it up, break it up. This is your final warning. We will resort to extreme measures. But the protesters don't go anywhere, so the chief has no choice but to take action. Okay, activate the squelch cannon. The protesters put on their gas masks and prepare for the worst. But the police put on ear protection. Bring it on, cops! We're not going anywhere! We're here for the long haul! Make us three, leave! Three, two, we are not leaving one. until we get justice for- A situation, much like what I just described, was said to have occurred in the late 19th century. An inventor named Collander. Uh, apparently no first name, invented a speaking trumpet that could not only amplify a person's volume, but also modulate the tone. Think of it like a steampunk autotune. As the story goes, Prince Albert apparently ordered a very large version of this to play at the Great Exhibition of 1851, and a ton of Victorians gathered around to hear him sing his rendition of God Save the Queen. And the result was hundreds of posh Victorians in top coats and and hooped skirts clutching their butts, as diarrhea kicked in. Now, I'm not proud of the images that I just put into your head, but according to an article in the New Scientist magazine, Prince Albert accidentally discovered the brown note, and his victims were outraged. And Queen Victoria was so embarrassed by the fiasco that she ordered that the newspapers not print any stories about it, which is why you won't find any reports of it out there. That, and, uh, because it's not true. The story is a total fabrication. The writer for New Scientist actually just wrote it as a piece of satire in 1974. The thing about satire, though, is that uh, a lot of people don't get it. So that story was repeated over and over again, and the myth of the brown note was created. And it's been around pop culture in some version ever since. But it's definitely got staying power. You know, everybody seems to know somebody who knows somebody that was actually affected by something like this. And maybe that's because it's not that implausible. Because there are sounds in science that seem to have some sort of an effect on the human body. In fact, there's a whole family of sounds known to science known as the white, pink, and red noise. Now, you certainly heard white noise in the hiss of an untuned radio. And white noise is called white noise because it kind of contains a mix of all the other tones crammed together. Kind of like white light is a mix of all the different color spectrum. Now, true white noise sounds very high-pitched to most people because our ears are a little bit more sensitive to that. So an audio engineer might want to balance those tones out a little bit by boosting the bass. This would be known as pink noise. And red noise is an even deeper version. Kind of makes me feel like a a day at the beach. Now, red noise is sometimes known as brown noise, which has absolutely nothing to do with the brown note. It's actually uh, referencing brownian motion, which has to do with the way particles react in fluid. But in the interest of not confusing the hell out of you, let's stick with red noise for this video. So this family of colored noises uh, have an effect on people in more of a psychological sense. They can induce relaxation or maybe focus. The brown note, however, that's, that's something totally different. In fact, you shouldn't be able to hear it at all. If the brown note exists, it would exist in the infrasound range, which is too low for humans to hear. Now, the body can feel infrasound frequencies if the volume's loud enough. Crank it up to 11, and the effect becomes... Dramatic. Intestines clench, bowels release, and cleaning bills go through the roof. Uh Now, if you've ever felt the kick of a good subwoofer, this probably sounds at least possible. Infrasound has been rumored to be used for all kinds of different things, including driving CIA agents nuts. Certain celebrities have spread rumors about the use of infrasound over the years, including David Bowie. During a phase in his career, after he fell to Earth and before he stole that baby, uh, David Bowie did a series of interviews where he talked about how the French had something that they called a black noise device, that they used as what he called a control bomb. It's thought that the author William S. Burroughs put that idea in his head, uh, and that's based off of this exchange in a Rolling Stone interview. Burroughs. They have riot control noise based on these sound waves now, but you could have music with infrasound. You wouldn't necessarily have to kill the audience. Bowie. Just maim them. Gotta love that English wit. Now, whether or not Ziggy Stardust was serious about this or not, this has been the subject of conspiracy theories ever since the 1960s. It also shows up in pop culture like South Park, Archer, and Orange is the New Black. The comic book Transmetropolitan features a main character with a bowel disruptor as his primary weapon. One of the best references has to be the musician Ben Folds, who back in 1996, he actually hired an improv troupe to play a prank on his audience. He told the crowd that he was about to play the brown note and... well, without getting into too many details, um, let's just say that there were diapers and chocolate syrup involved. The thing is, though, many real audience members claim that they actually felt something when that note was played. Now, that's partly just being impressionable, but kind of going back to our original question, if infrasound was played loud enough and it could be felt by the body, could the brown note actually be real? Could this be a real thing? The human ear can hear sound waves at about 20 hertz and above. If a peak takes longer than 1 20th of a second to recur, we don't hear it as sound. The same is true for frequencies above the audible range, which ends at about 20,000 hertz but animals can hear well outside the range that humans can. Just for fun, here's a chart of animal hearing ranges by Wikipedia illustrator C.M. Glee. Humans are in purple. You'll notice that goldfish, elephants, cows, and ferrets, of all things, hear deeper into infrasound than we do, while animals like bats hear frequencies above our range, which is called ultrasound. Elephants use infrasound in communication, and tigers can use infrasound to paralyze a prey. At least that's according to a report that I read that claimed that Sasquatch did the same thing. Report may be the wrong word there. The point is, there are practical applications for infrasound in nature. It's even saved some animals' lives. In the 2004 tsunami that killed nearly 230,000 people on the island of Sri Lanka, several animals were seen running for higher ground before it hit. Some left hours beforehand. It's thought that they may have heard the infrasound from the seaquake that triggered it. Similarly, humans might not be able to hear infrasound, but we can sense it in different ways. In fact, some people think that infrasound might be an explanation for ghost phenomena. I've mentioned before, I was in a ghost hunting group back in my day, and uh, we didn't use infrasound or measure for infrasound back then, but I kind of wish we had, because we were always looking for... Uh, various things in the locations that might be causing people to experience these things. But yeah, there was an article that was published in the Society of Psychical Research in 1998 where the author described a situation where he was working in a lab and he started to experience some ghostly phenomena there. He reported feeling depression, sometimes a cold shiver, and he described this one specific instance where he thought he saw somebody moving out of the corner of his eye and then he looked and there was nothing there. Tandy discovered by accident that there was a powerful infrasound wave being created by an exhaust fan in the room. He turned off the exhaust fan, and the ghostly phenomena seemed to go away. Now in that same paper, they note that NASA once experimented with the vibrations and infrasound. They mentioned that 18 Hertz was apparently the resonant frequency of the eye, which could explain the visual anomaly. Other results indicate that infrasound could be used to make a person hyperventilate. In other words, infrasound may be able to scare a person into thinking that they're seeing ghosts. It can make eyeballs jiggle and lungs quiver. And over long periods of time, it could even cause emotional distress maybe. (laughs) The Mythbusters actually covered this in 2012. They took people out to a scary abandoned camp and put them in different cabins and played 19 hertz uh, infrasound into some of them. Jamie described it as unnerving, but only two out of the 10 participants claimed that the, the cabin with the infrasound in it was the most disturbing. The Mythbusters tested the brown note as well, and Adam wore a diaper for it, which is reason enough to watch it. Now, he did not have any bowel release, but he did claim to feel intense pressure on his lungs. So, At this part of the video is where I would normally look into the hard science and pull up a bunch of white papers and usually throw cold water on the whole thing, but I gotta say, uh, finding hard information about the brown note is particularly harder than I thought it would be. Actual tests on infrasound have been kind of spotty. There was a Russian-French researcher named Vladimir Gavreau who tested this back in the 1960s. His story was kind of like Vic Tandy's, he was working at a lab and accidentally experienced infrasound through an exhaust fan. And this gave him the idea to make an infrasound weapon first place my mind would go, but whatever. Eventually, his team built two prototypes, one of which was kind of like a piston connected to a long tube with a speaker at one end. Gavro claimed that this could make somebody feel distracted or seasick, and at high enough levels it could cause deafness or blindness. He even claimed it was capable of killing by stopping the heart. By the way, it was one of his patents that William S. Burroughs and David Bowie were referring to in those interviews. It never actually existed. But sonic weapons are a thing. According to the ACLU, there are three different types of sonic weapons that the U.S. military has tested since the 1990s, two of which have been used by police and private agencies mostly for crowd control. The two types in regular use are LRADs, or long-range acoustic devices, and the Mosquito. LRADs, also known as sound cannons, direct hypersonic waves at very, very focused beams at very, very loud volumes, up to 160 decibels. They are considered non-lethal weapons, but that doesn't mean they aren't harmful. They can cause permanent hearing damage after a few seconds. The Mosquito is different. It plays tones so high-pitched that only people under 30 can hear them, which is the perfect thing to get those kids off your lawn. And the third type of acoustic weapon, the one that the ACLU says is still under development, uses infrasound. Infrasound weapons, quote, "...would deliver very low-frequency sounds that could be inaudible, but could cause pain and disorientation." As of this ACLU report in October of 2020, the U.S. is not using any infrasound weapons, but, supposedly, China is. There was a report in July 2020 in the South China Morning Post that claims that tests have been done on an infrasound gun, a portable infrasound gun, that could cause vibrations in, quote, "...the stomach, liver, eyeballs, eardrums, and brain." Doesn't all sound vibrate the eardrums And cause, according to this article anyway, involuntary defecation. Now, there are some that claim that this could be an exaggeration from a propaganda piece, but who could say? Back here in the States, the Air Power Journal, which is the official journal of the U.S. Air Force, published a piece in 1997 on the use of infrasound weapons in the battlefield. And it said, quote, It produced disorientation and reduced the ability to perform simple sensory motor tasks and produced breathing difficulties in lab animals. Still nothing brown about that. And in a paper titled High-Intensity Acoustics for Military Non-Lethal Applications from 2007, they did a study on experiments into acoustic weapons and said, quote, Acoustics research has shown that the non-lethal weapon capabilities of audible sound generators have been grossly overstated. And that, quote, Anecdotal reports of extraordinary acoustic or infrasound weapon effects can make meaningful assessment and review of this area very difficult. So there's probably not a note that will make you crap yourself. I mean... Think about it. If there was, the government would have used it, and that story would have been sprayed all over our screens. Victims would be coming out of every hole to spread the dirt. Pundits would accuse the military of brown shirt tactics. The press would bear down and squeeze out solid leaves to spray the juicy bits all over the newspapers. And you know that officials would be offering backdoor deals to anybody who could stop the leak, and eventually they'd just be covering their own butts and have to resort to some kind of stopgap method. And then they'd hold a press conference where they'd tighten their belts and stare down the camera's round eye and claim the whole thing was a smear campaign, in which we would all watch and declare in unison, what a bunch of (laughs) sh**. So yeah, look, you, you probably don't have to worry about somebody hitting you with the wrong kind of sonic boom. But if somebody ever did hit you with a bowel evacuating noise, you might as well do it in nice underwear. So let's talk about Mack Weldon. I've told you about Mack Weldon before. They make insanely comfortable underwear and they ensure that their underwear is insanely comfortable because they make their own fabrics. They create a few different kinds of fabric, actually. You've got your dry knit, your air knit, your warm knit. They even have one called Silver Series, which is actually treated with silver. So it's antimicrobial, which means they remain odor free. And they didn't just stop with underwear. They make shirts, shorts, pants, hoodies, jackets, hats, scarves, gloves, slippers. If you've got a body part, they've got clothing for it. The buying process is super easy online, they deliver fast, and they even offer a no-questions-asked refund if you don't like the first item you buy. And if you like their products, and you will, you'll want to buy more in the future, and they've got a new loyalty program called Weldon Blue to make that even easier and save you money. When you sign up for Weldon Blue, you get free shipping for life, that's level 1, but after you spend $200, you get to level 2, which gives you 20% off every order for the next year. I actually do have Mac Weldon underwear and slippers and a top. A workout top and uh, pants. I've, I've got a lot of their stuff, and it's not because they support the channel. I actually have, I actually bought it before they ever supported the channel, but I do appreciate the support and I recommend them to you guys legitimately. They're good stuff. So if you want to give them a try and see for yourself, just go to macweldoncom Joe Scott, then enter Joe Scott in the promo code, and you'll get 20% off your order. And again, if you don't like it, you can return it. They will refund your money, so you got nothing to lose. Anyway, link's in the description, but one more time, it's macweldoncom Joe Scott. Go check it out, and keep those tender bits tender. All right, big thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting this video and a huge shout out to the Answer Files on Patreon that are building a community, helping me grow my team, and just being awesome people. There's some new names we got to shout out real quick. And Murder, we got Charles Antoine Biron, uh, Christopher Hale, Carl Dratch, Thomas Gardner, Prodan, Kevin Janik, uh, Norris Wilkins, Giga Dan, Paul Christensen, Ross Bamford, Baljeet Singh Baku. Joan Mark Finuke, <laughs> Little Bear, and Sebastian Drakowski. Uh, thank you guys so much. If you'd like to join them, get early access to videos, exclusive live streams, and just join the awesome community, go to patreon.com slash answerswithjoe. Please do like and share this video if you liked it. And if this is your first time here, this video might be up your alley, or at least Google thinks so, or you can check out any of the others that are, you know, probably recommended down there that have my face on them. And if you do enjoy them and you like them and you want to see more, uh, I ask you to subscribe, because I come back with videos every Monday. All right, that's it for now. You guys go out there, keep your underwear clean, stay safe, and I'll see you next Monday. Love you guys. Take care.